Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2020, Children's Urban Fantasy, one chapter a day up until Christmas. Chapter 13, Cold Experiments. The last thing that James wanted to do when he got home was extra German work. He had pretty much decided to drop the subject next year when he made his final GCSE choices, but catching up was catching up, so he quickly wrote a message to the Green Hands gang, got a few Freddos ready, just in case, then trudged down to the front room. The Green Hands gang was a group of children that had all helped with adventures in the past. They might not have known where the Empress of the Seven Dials was keeping Claudia, nor how to sneak into a restaurant or break into the Engineerium, but they were a resourceful bunch who normally came up with good ideas. An hour, two Freddos, and multiple noun genders later, and James was back in his room. Cece had finally forgiven him enough to come out of the bag, and was now drawing in his sketchbook. James checked his netbook while getting the key to the air ready. There were already some messages from the gang. Wilf suggested making a booking at the restaurant as a cover for sneaking up to the storeroom. Laurie said that he didn't really like steak, so would go for the pasta. Joe was visiting her uncle near Seven Dials, so she and Millie would look out for cats. Fred said he'd heard the Engineerium was up for sale, but wasn't sure if it had been sold. It was a promising start, and having the gang involved freed up James to concentrate on the key to the air. He had used it successfully once before, on a clifftop near the marina, and it almost certainly killed a girl that had tried to steal it. Not to mention, it had nearly got him killed. Without Jenny's intervention, he would have been dragged into a hole in the air. A hole created by the key itself. The key was made up of two parts, the feather and the silver nib. The feather looked normal enough to James, just a dull brown thing, possibly from a large chicken. After the near disaster the year before, he had put it away and not even thought about using it, until he'd put it in his hat to summon the peregrine falcon at the weekend. He stood up and held it to the light and examined it. The brown colour seemed to shine under his bedroom's yellow bulb. He rummaged in the bottom of his bag and pulled out his torch, Chinese-made, with a powerful white beam, and shone it on the feather's vein. The colour change was subtle but unmistakable. The dull brown turned rich and golden in the white light and cast a strange flickering pattern on the ceiling. He switched the room light off to get a better look. With the feather held against the end of the torch, the beam picked out a swirling iridescent projection, a continually changing rainbow cast onto his ceiling. Not unlike the effect of oil spilled on water. It was captivating. There was a grunt from his bed. Sorry, Cece, he said, turning the light back on. The second part of the key to the air was the silver nib. A beautiful silver cylinder, finely engraved with swirling dragons from the base to the very end of the split tip. James sat at his desk and slotted the nib to the quill of the feather. It fitted perfectly, creating a perfectly balanced writing implement. The last thing he needed was ink, which he obtained by cutting open an old ink cartridge with his penknife. After a few practice movements on the blank piece of paper, he was ready. He dipped the end of the nib into the ink cartridge 
and drew the strokes that he had learned and practised the year before. For a moment nothing happened, and James thought he might have misdrawn. As he moved to dip the quill again into the cartridge, it seemed to become weightless in his fingers, and he gripped it tighter to stop it from floating away. The same weightlessness spread into his hand, causing him to tense his wrist to keep his hand level. Then he was tensing to keep his shoulder down, then his chest, his legs, his feet, and last of all, his toes lifted gently up from the carpet. While he floated, legs anchoring him under the desk, a speck of light appeared above the paper where he'd drawn the symbol. It grew into a credit card-sized gap in the air of his room. An icy breeze flowed out as the gap widened and lengthened until the whole of the top of his desk was a horizontal window looking out over freezing clouds above distant snow-capped mountains. The cold breeze whipped up the pages of the sketchbook on the bed. Cece stopped drawing and scrambled down to the foot of James's bed in distress. He pushed himself up from his chair and floated above the little monkey. It's okay, Cece. I'm just checking the key still works. James was nervous too. The last time he had opened the window in the air, a girl had fallen through it. While he held the quill, he was weightless, which meant that he could safely pass through into the high clouds. But he knew how cold it was on the other side, cold enough to kill him before he hit the ground. After only a few seconds, the temperature of his room had dropped dramatically, all the warmth escaping through the new window. I think that's enough now, he said to Cece. I just need to work out how to close it. Last time, the falcon snatched the quill from number eight's hand, so I guess if I drop it, that will work. Or maybe... He took the key in both hands and eased the silver nib off the end. Immediately, weight returned to his body, and he crumpled down onto his bed, narrowly avoiding Cece. At the same time, the window in the air began to shrink, in the same slow, shimmering way that it had appeared. James got up from the bed to watch it. When it was the size of his netbook, he saw something he thought he had seen before. The ghostly shape of a bird rippling through the clouds. Then the gap closed completely, leaving a shivering James staring at his desktop. Cece was shivering too, and James picked her up and snuggled her under his arm. Let's get this room warmed up, he said. Rather than open the door to the hall, he first pushed open the bedroom window as far as it would go. The December wind felt tropical as it blustered in, giving James goosebumps on his cold, bare arms. There was ice around the edges of the open window. James used a fingernail to scrape the hard frost which had formed on the inside of the glass. Next time we'll be ready for the cold, he said, his teeth chattering loudly. I want to find out what mountain range is through the window. The symbol that opens that gap in the air means home, but I don't know where home is. His room had risen to outdoor temperatures by dinner time, so he closed the window, cranked the radiator to full blast, and left Cece colouring in a scribbled sketch while he rushed down to eat. Are you going somewhere? his dad asked as James ran into the kitchen. No, what? Oh! James took off his woolly hat. He'd put it on while his room regained its warmth. Just checking it still fits okay. Dinner was another rushed affair. James gobbled his food while keeping an eye on the hallway in case Cece got another urge to explore. He opted for a fruit dessert again and rushed back upstairs as soon as he'd finished. Thankfully, Cece was still on his bed, drawing away. He sat down next to her and pulled his hat back on, 
It would be a while yet until it was properly warm. Only one banana left, he said. So I got you an apple too. It's a nice sweet one, though. Plus a carrot. Sorry about that. He put the food next to the sketchbook and took a look at the monkey's creation. She was pretty good for a primate, at least as good as most reception kids. The top page was mostly taken up by a bird, wings stretching from one edge to the other. It was coloured crudely with dark brown, light brown and yellow. Around the bird were more drawings, some of them dogs, one of them bigger than the rest. Perhaps it was Grouth. This is great. Did you see that bird through the window too? Cece nodded, then tapped a furry finger, first on the back of the bird and then on James's leg. He leaned in closer, and among the mass of lines that he'd taken to be feathers was a small stick figure. Is that me? he laughed. If so, that's one giant bird. Cece nodded solemnly, then used her black fingernails to rip open the side of the banana. A giant bird. That was the hope that James clung to from the previous year, when he watched number eight slip from his grasp and plunge silently into the clouds below. While Cece ate, James got ready for the next test of the key. He was torn between trying a different Chinese symbol to perhaps open a new location and trying to work out where in the world the home window took you. After a quick search of possible new Chinese symbols to try, he realised that he had no idea where to even start, so he went with locating home. This would also give him practice at opening and closing the window. He spent a few minutes getting things in order, then felt he was ready to try again. This time, he opened the bedroom window first. He figured that opening the window in the air next to his actual window was a better idea than opening it on his desk. Cece had moved away to the other end of his bed and was watching suspiciously from behind his pillow. James was wearing two pairs of trousers, his winter coat, woolly hat and a pair of ski gloves. After taking off his right glove and dipping the silver nib into the ink cartridge, James had a thought and held the paper up against the glass before drawing the symbol. The same feeling of weightlessness took hold and lifted him gently off the carpet. A minute later, and the gap in the air had grown almost as big as his door, and this time it was oriented vertically, in the same plane as the paper when he'd drawn it. The new window covered up most of his old one, giving the same strange view of clouds, interspersed with glimpses of white mountains far below. He had planned to put his glove back on, but to do that he would have to put the quill down and the window would close. Now to find out where the mountains were. James had pulled his old GPS tracker from a drawer and tied it to the end of a long piece of string. Small and plastic, the tracker was older than he was, from a time when mobile phones didn't even have colour screens, let alone Google Maps, and people had dedicated devices to find their position. He had found the tracker in a box of his dad's old things, and only used it once before. The device had a small LCD screen, which could display two eight-digit numbers that represented coordinates of any location on Earth. James had put two new batteries in, and turned the device on to check it still worked. All it needed was to be in the open sky for a short while, then it would record its position in the two numbers on its screen. After testing that the other end of the string was firmly tied around his bedpost, James held down the Locate button, waited for the little screen to say Searching for Signal, then lowered it carefully out of the new window into the freezing air. 
he had to give it a whole minute in order to make sure that it could find the GPS satellites and determine its location. His ungloved hand was already starting to feel numb from the cold. Then there was a knock at his door. James, his mum's voice. Hang on, he shouted, dropping the string, which pulled tight but thankfully stayed tethered to the bedpost. He tried to walk and found he couldn't. His feet were a few inches from the floor. So he kicked off the side of his bed and floated towards the door. But he was not accurate enough and started moving towards his wardrobe like an astronaut in the European space station. I just wanted to talk, his mum said. He saw the door handle turn. There was no way he could let her see him floating, so he dropped the quill which landed on his chair and dumped him onto his feet. He landed awkwardly and stumbled toward the bedroom door, getting there just as his mum opened it a crack. Yes, he said, blocking the way in. I was going to speak to you about... She looked at his outfit. Are you cold? I can feel a cold draught. I, uh, I was just testing out my cold weather gear, he said, just in case we go skiing again. I wanted to make sure it all fitted, so I turned off my radiator. Probably best not to keep the door open. Shall I come in? she asked. No, he blurted. I mean it's a mess, but I'll tidy it. He looked back at his room. The window to the mountains was already half the size it had been. Let me change and I'll come downstairs and talk. I'll be quick. Before waiting for an answer, he pulled the door closed and held the handle in case his mum tried to come in again. He heard her footsteps walking away and dived across the room, snatching at the string attached to his bedpost. He yanked it hard, hand over hand, like a fisherman hauling in his catch. When the window was only as big as a paperback book, a mass of golden brown feathers flashed past it, so close it made James gasp. He hauled faster until the gap in the air vanished and left him pulling at an empty string. The GPS tracker was gone.